0: Some people find cemeteries uncomfortable. I suppose it's because it reminds them of their mortality. But whenever I visit a cemetery, I think it's so interesting. You See, each one of these graves tells a story. Some stories are tragic, like a life that's cut short. Other stories are more inspiring, someone who lived a long and productive life. And some stories are fascinating, Years ago, I had a chance to visit the place where Benjamin Franklin was buried. And I thought to myself, what if I could just talk to Ben Franklin right now? I'd love to hear the stories of what life used to be like. And I'd like to hear what he thinks about life today. But nobody here can tell us their stories because they're all still in the grave. But what if, what if we came across a grave where the headstone was knocked over Ground was peeled away. The casket was open, and all that was left were the grave clothes. Would that be a hoax? Grave robbers? Could it possibly be a resurrection? Now, that would be a story. So, the big question is: It's a whole. Story of the resurrection of Christ: a myth, or is it a reality? A lot of people are looking for the answer to that question, and there are lots of opinions out there. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I obviously believe, and we here at the Compass Church believe that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. But there have been some pretty famous people who were quite skeptical over the resurrection. One of them happened to be the Apostle Paul. He did not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. He didn't believe that Jesus was Messiah. In fact, he was on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians and stop this whole nonsense about Jesus Christ when he was ambushed by the resurrected Jesus And it changed his life forever. And he became one of the most devoted followers of Christ who spent the rest of his life proclaiming that Christ was risen indeed. In fact, when he wrote to the Corinthian church that he planted there in Greece, he talked to them about the reality of what life would be like if Christ isn't risen And he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. And boy, that's true, isn't it? I mean, if the whole thing is a hoax, then we are wasting our, our time here at the Hobson campus and at 95th, praising and worshiping and celebrating an event that did not happen. But Paul really believed it happened because Paul experienced the risen Christ. And so when he wrote some believers in Rome, he said these words in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing with your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. So Paul says, if you believe God raised him from the dead, then... Then you've got something. Then you've got a story. A story that will change your life. So what are the facts? As we look back historically, what can we say are the facts about Christ and the resurrection experience? Well, let me list a few of them for you. We know, for instance, that Jesus was crucified. Nearly every historian Scholar, even those who are are not believers, will say, yes, there was a Jesus who lived and there was a Jesus who died. Fact. He was buried. Almost all scholars, not every scholar, but almost all scholars believe that he indeed was buried in a tomb somewhere in Jerusalem. Fact. Fact. It so upset the disciples that they despaired at the loss of Christ because their faith and hope was not based in his teachings. Jesus made everything he said revolve around himself, not like Buddha or some other great religious teachers where after they are dead and gone, you can follow their teachings. No, Jesus said, my teachings are are useless if I am not the Son of God, if I am not resurrected. And so he was gone, and they despaired. Fact. The tomb was empty days later after he had been crucified. Again, most scholars will agree to that, that yes, indeed, Jesus was placed in the tomb, and the tomb was found to be empty. Now, that doesn't mean they all agree he was resurrected. But they do agree, evidence is strong, that the tomb was empty. Fact. After what we believe is the resurrection, the emptiness of that tomb, the disciples' lives were dramatically and radically changed. They were no longer the sad, down-in-the-mouth, bent-over men There was a huge spiritual miraculous transformation in their lives that led them to go out and literally turn the world upside down. And we're here this weekend because of what happened in those men's lives. Fact, the message of the resurrection became and has always been the central teaching of the church that truly follows Jesus Christ. Fact. The epicenter for that message was Jerusalem. Why? Because that's where he died and that's where he was buried and that's where he rose from the dead. Fact. As a result of this, the church began to multiply and grow and is still multiplying and growing. And as I travel over to Asia quite frequently, I want to tell you something right now. You may be wondering, where is God in the West? I'll tell you what, he is showing up in the East. There are amazing things happening over there. And I'm talking to the men and the women who are experiencing miracles that are happening. And I wish I had the time to go into depth and tell you the stories. They're on my blog. I've shared them with you before. But miraculous things are happening there, just like in the days of the book of Acts. Fact. Skeptics were converted. Paul was converted. The half-brother of Jesus who doubted that Jesus was the Messiah, was converted. In fact, you read the book of Acts, it says that many of the priests, of the Pharisees, were converted. Those who condemned him now embraced him. Why? Because they experienced the resurrection power. So what do you do with those facts? Lots of people handle them in different ways. Some people approach the facts and they have Questions, and good questions. Some people, for instance, question and ask, well, isn't it possible that the disciples stole his body away and then faked the fact that he was resurrected? Sounds like a good question, till you really think about it. It means that the disciples then became martyrs because nearly all but one, John, were killed according to tradition, and then that means they were killed, they became martyrs for a lie. Maybe one kook would do that, but that many of them would literally give up their lives for a lie? How do you explain the big changes that happened in their lives and all around their lives if they stole the body and made this whole thing up? How do you explain the fact that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that over 500 people at one time witnessed the resurrected Jesus as he taught and as he proclaimed. It just doesn't make sense. And scholars who at one time put that forward as a hypothesis are running away from it because it doesn't make sense at all. It's not logical. It's totally illogical. How about hallucinations? Some people have suggested that what took place was a hallucination. You know, when you really believe something a lot, you have a tendency then to think it's actually happening, that it's there, that, that, that it's actually taken place. Well, psychologists and doctors, scientists tell us That it's one thing for one person to have a hallucination, but then to have many people with the same hallucination, that just doesn't happen. Because hallucinations are very subjective, and there's hardly anybody who holds to that idea anymore. Some people suggest that, well, maybe Jesus just was unconscious on the cross and and they took him down and they buried him and then he kind of woke up and came out of of the grave, you know, and, and so then he was spoken of as being resurrected. Really? I want you to think about this. Jesus was tortured. He was beaten. He hung on that cross. He was stabbed in the side. The blood, the water poured out. Experiments have been done, by the way, by by scientists to determine the effect of crucifixion. They've actually put people on a cross, no nails. They've tied them in that position. They've monitored their bodies. And within 12 minutes, they begin to lose consciousness. Do you know why? Because your whole body sags down and you die of asphyxiation. So can you imagine... Jesus, having been beaten, mistreated, hanging on that cross, stabbed in the side, he's taken down, he's put in a tomb, a one and a half to two ton stone is rolled over the entrance, and he kind of comes to in there, manages to get up, somehow he rolls the, to- the stone aside, walks out, finds his disciples. Beaten and bloodied. Oh, by the way, he also had been all wrapped up in linen, so he had to somehow get out of that straitjacket. And he says, I am risen. (laughs) Do you want a body like this? I don't think so. I don't think so. And I I love what C.S. Lewis, the the atheist who became a believer, said about that theory. He said, anyone who would believe that would have an intellect on the level of somebody who called themselves a poached egg. Sorry if that offended you. Some people say it was just a spiritual resurrection. That he didn't really rise in bodily form, but it was in in spirit. It was his spirit that was resurrected. Well, if that's the case, then all they had to do was produce the body. And no body has ever been produced. And wasn't it Jesus in John chapter 20 told Thomas, put your finger in my wound, feel it, touch me. I am flesh, I am alive. I mean, the facts are pretty powerful, and the arguments against them are pretty silly from an evidentiary perspective. But each of us has to come to terms eventually with, did he rise from the dead or not? Do the facts prove it? Not in a sense that I can make Jesus appear right here, right now. But there's, I can't make Abraham Lincoln appear right here, right now. I can't make Napoleon appear right here, right now. I cannot go back in history and make many people, Plato and others, appear. But we accept the fact that they all lived. Why? Because the facts point to it. The evidence is there. Same thing seems to be true of Jesus. And if it is true, and I believe it is true, that he rose from the dead. Have you ever thought about the benefits of the resurrection? I mean, think about the the hope that that gives to you and me. It gives us a whole new spiritual reality, doesn't it? I love what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3 to the believers in Colossae. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, that's because they put their faith in Christ. He says, set your eyes on the realities of heaven. You know, we get so earth-focused, don't we? We get focused on the stock market. We get focused on the Middle East. We get focused on what's wrong with uh, with our bodies, what's wrong with life, what's wrong with others. Man, there's a lot of stuff down here to get focused on that's very, very negative. Paul says, "Look, you got to deal with reality, but every once in a while, lift your head up and get focused on the spiritual reality. Get focused on heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand side. Think about the things of heaven." not the things of earth. For you die to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, your new reality is waiting for you. When you die someday, you will embrace the fullness of that new reality. He says, for you die to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world you will share in all his glory man we got a lot to look forward to a lot of people think i all i got to look forward to is old age and death all i got to look forward to is the you know is the is the home all i got to look forward to is suffering wow i don't want to hang out with you this easter We've got got so much to look forward to. You know, another benefit of the resurrection is a metaphysical reality. The Bible says that it's unnatural for us to be separated from our bodies. And someday we're going to have a resurrected body. Paul told the Corinthians about this. Let me read this to you. It's wild. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. When I say wild, I mean it's like holy wild. All right? It says in verse 35, but someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it first dies. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Man, this is exciting, isn't it? In other words, you and I were like seed. We're going to die. But then... We're gonna live again, and it's gonna be—we're gonna be so different than what we are now. We will be known as we are known. Don't you're, you'll still be you, but I'm telling you, what, it's gonna—we're not—we're not, we're not gonna need gyms. We're not gonna need health clubs anymore. It's gonna be awesome. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, and they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. That's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting. Someday we're going to have that resurrected body. It's going to be awesome, isn't it? It's going to be awesome. You see what happens to somebody when they die now. The biological body that we inhabit is put in the ground. But the moment you die as a believer, your spirit goes to be with the Lord. And you just, not to purgatory, but but in the presence of God. And then then when the Lord returns, man, you come back. Say, you need my loved ones who've gone before me will come back. Yeah, they put their faith in Christ. They're coming back. See, does it feel like it's a long, long time up there? Let me ask you a question that I have used that helps me with this. Uh, uh, An older friend of mine who passed away years ago, an older pastor shared this with me. Let me ask you, you, how many of you were in a womb at one time? It'd be helpful to know, all right? Okay, all right. How many of you remember your time in the womb? Nobody does, right? But you know you were there. I think it's going to be the same way. Someday we're going to be in heaven. We know we were on earth, okay? But our memory of our time on earth will be like trying to remember being in the womb. And I think for those who've gone before us, their time, their memory in heaven is going to be like, like our time of thinking about being in the womb. I, I can't explain to you. It's going to be an awesome mystery. I am looking forward to it. I want to talk to you about one more benefit that comes from the resurrection. And that benefit is not only the benefit of a spiritual reality, a metaphysical reality, but it is the benefit of having a purpose in life. God leads me here with a mission and a purpose. And that mission and that purpose is to let everyone I come in contact with know that Jesus has risen from the dead through my job, through my relationships, through my friendships. My whole purpose in life is to make known that good news of God's grace. And so Paul closed off 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 with these words. He said, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Can I ask you a question? My question is really simple. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And have you placed your faith and trust in him? You may not be ready to, and that's okay. We never want to pressure and push you. You might be in that stage of exploring and searching out. I am so glad that you're doing that with us, and I want to encourage you to keep doing that with us. But you know, there are a lot of people in the world right now, there are a lot of people in the world right now who are searching, and they are confused, and they don't know where to go. They don't know what to think. As I go to the board, I just want to kind of draw a picture of someone, and if this looks like you, I apologize, okay? I'm not picking on you, okay? All right? And and they've got a body, right? And we're their little body here, okay? And we oftentimes talk about their soul, right? That, that mysterious part of us, you can't pick up on an x-ray. You know, our, our, our spiritual being that inhabits this biological body. And you know, that that soul... That part of our life is kind of like a vacuum, right? And and a vacuum is empty space, and we look to fill up the vacuum. I got a vacuum at my house, you know. And when I take that vacuum, I, I got the one that's got the clear cylinder. It makes me happy to see the dirt in there. I know it's working well. All right, you you walk around, it just it just sucks up everything that's in its way, right? All of us are like vacuums. We have an emptiness. We come out of the womb looking for meaning in life. It is, it is part of our nature to believe that there is more to life than just living and dying. The problem is we try filling the vacuum in all the wrong ways. You know, we're weird creatures. So I want you to think about this with me for a moment. This is an original. I read this from a philosopher. It makes a lot of sense to me. We worry a lot about ourselves. How many of you would agree with that? I do. You, you. All right. We do. We all worry about ourselves. We all want to live. If we're mentally healthy, we all, we all kind of want to live. And we pay doctors pretty good money to help keep us alive. Why? To avoid what? You see, you're even afraid to say the word, the D word. Right? <laughs> to avoid what? Death. Now, those doctors deserve what they get paid, okay? Because they study hard, they work hard, they help us a lot. I'm thankful. I have a son-in-law who's a doctor. It's important, all right? So we pay our doctors good money to keep us alive because we are worried about getting sick and dying. But guess what? Guess who we pay more than doctors? Entertainers. Why do we pay entertainers so much? Because we want to keep our mind off of the fact that we're going to die and we're not sure what's going to happen later on. And so we spend a lot of time in diversion. And all you have to do is look at the American culture today, and the American culture is built on diversions. We are constantly diverting. All over the place. Our thoughts, our feelings, we entertain ourselves, we keep ourselves busy. We've got those things in our ears constantly. What's that all about? I'll tell you what that's all about. That's all about so we don't ever have to be quiet and alone with our thoughts. But when you know God, you can pull the earbuds out, and you can be quiet, and you can be alone because you know that God is there, and he loves you. So what we've got to do is fill the vacuum with the right thing. And the only thing that can fill this vacuum, as someone has said, it's a God-shaped vacuum. The only one who can fill it is God. How does that happen? Well, you know, you've got God over here. You've got sinful you and me over here, right? Empty soul, sucking in all kinds of stuff, entertainment, trying to keep ourselves alive, but not sure why we're alive. What will work for me? This philosophy, that philosophy, searching constantly. God comes along and he says, you can't rescue yourself, so I will rescue you. And he builds this bridge for us to come across And it's called the cross. And he puts a son on that cross. And Jesus takes care of our sins for us. He dies our death for us. He forgives us freely. And God says, all I want you to do is put your faith in my son and what he's done for you. I want you to rest your life in him. I want you to only suck him into your life. And I want you to follow him. And God says that when we do that, as Paul said, when we believe that Jesus died and rose again and put our faith in him, God says something happens. Our lives change and we lose that sadness and that despair and we gain happiness and we gain joy. Man, that's either the craziest, nicest, weirdest, hopeless story you've ever heard, or it is the greatest story you've ever heard. Because it's a true story. Would you bow your heads with me?